Welcome to a show where you will hear about how our liberty is being eroded by the very people that swear an oath to protect it. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. On this show, we will discuss many of the lies that the government, the government that hates us, by the way, we will discuss the lies that the people in positions of power and influence spread every day. And what is the best way to confuse children? Confuse them about their sexuality, confuse them about their gender, expose them to things that their little brains are not ready for yet. That is how they are confusing children. It is leading to chaos. And big daddy government, of course, can be there to pick, up, pick us all up and take care of us at the end of it. We will also talk about how current elected leadership at all levels of government has been corrupted by power and control, as well as discuss the types of leadership needed to correct our republic's course. We the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. I am your host, Larry Linton, retired U.S. Navy Command Master Chief and prior Tennessee House of Representatives District 12 candidate, and welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen, and what a relief it is to finally be home. Although, I do have to tell you there was some homeowner drama that Denise had to handle on the day I was making my way home earlier this week. Water, plumbers, excitement, oh my. Well, she handled it like a trooper, though. And she didn't think it was very exciting at all. In fact, it was completely stressing her out. Denise had to draw on her many years of experience as a Navy spouse to get through the ordeal while I was trying to be my best empathetic self while on the phone with her and sitting at the airport waiting for my flight home. In fact, my daughter had to pick me up from the airport while Denise was dealing with a crisis at the house. Thankfully, the situation ended up resolving itself, much to the confusion of the plumber. Even that professional could not identify the root cause of the problem, nor how it resolved itself. I'll be taking some preventive measures over the next couple of weeks to try and prevent the same scenario from happening again, if I'm correct in my thinking as to what caused the situation in the first place, that is. A bright spot this week, besides being home with my family, was that I was finally able to attend the twice-monthly men's ministry breakfast with the guys from my church. It always feels re-energizing to be with the men from my church. Iron sharpens iron. I did attend some worship services during my stay in Gina, Louisiana during this past trip, though. One of the men I was working with down there invited me to attend some good old-fashioned Southern Baptist preaching at the church he and his family attend. It was thoroughly enjoyable, and the best part was when the man and his wife invited me to their house for a home-cooked meal after one of the services. Hands down, it was the best meal I had during my three weeks in Louisiana. So thank you to Rodney and Regina for the hospitality and the fellowship. But now, it's back to the home routine. Of course, my first full day back had me attending a doctor's appointment. Nothing special, just a checkup type of thing. For a condition that was diagnosed in 1995, no less. You should have seen the look on the doctor's face when I told him that date. Naturally, he came back to me with a phrase, well, it's time to take care of it. Then, a family meal with my daughter and her husband and some friends is scheduled for later this weekend. 
My daughter and son-in-law have been giving me hints for a couple of weeks now about how long it has been since I smoked a brisket at the house. Eric even sent me a video on Messenger of a guy sharing a recipe for some smoked meat. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod, right? It's almost as if those two miss my smoker more than they miss me when I'm gone. Next week, we'll see a couple of meetings that I will share the details about with you all when the time is right. I'm also still working with Congresswoman Harshbarger's staff to arrange her appearance on the podcast. As soon as we get the date hammered out, I'll share the information on the website and all of my social media pages. This week, though, I want to talk about the concept of liberty and how it appeared to be disappearing from our national consciousness in this republic. It has always made me wonder just how we got to the point where we are at in the United States of America where the people, writ large, do not or did not seem to care about their liberty. While the root cause of this battle is a nation in denial of our creator, a denial that is enabled and promoted by a government that does not want the existence of our creator acknowledged, so that it can insert itself into that position. But there is so much more to this battle that has the concept of liberty being erased in our republic. The main battle of government versus creator has created hundreds of skirmishes in what is called the culture war. Because that is what this is really all about. It's a clash between two cultures. It is a clash where the predominant number of casualties right now are children. More on that in a bit, though. But make no mistake about it, it is a war between cultures. On one side is a culture that believes our rights are God-given. And on the other side is a culture that believes our rights are government-given. If you believe your rights come from God, then only God can remove them. If you believe your rights come from the government, then government can dictate when you have them and when you don't. They aren't really rights if you have to ask permission from the government to exercise them. They're more like privileges. Liberty, or freedom, is anathema to a culture that believes in government-given rights. Now, you all know that I believe this war of beliefs really kicked into steady gear with the passage of the 16th Amendment. We've discussed how that abomination of a constitutional amendment started us on this long road of decline. Back when it was supposedly ratified by the required number of states in 1913. But these culture wars, or skirmishes, because all these seemingly disparate culture wars are really just small battles in the main culture war, faith in God or faith in government, these skirmishes are now reaching a point that has similarities to 1776 in my mind. Up until now, these skirmishes were mainly along the periphery of society, or only in certain pockets around the country, mainly the big urban centers, where the faithless culture only encountered small pockets of resistance. Large, rural segments of our population did not think they would be impacted, and therefore they would not hop into the fray because they just wanted to be left alone. Just let them city folk battle it out in their cesspools, they would think and say. They did not see this or that particular culture war skirmish as having any impact on them or their beliefs. Much like it was during the Revolutionary War in America. By some estimates, less than half of the colonists fully supported our war for independence initially. Like many Americans today do not or did not correctly see the impact of tyranny 
more than half of the people in the British colonies did not directly feel or see the impact of King George's tyranny. But today's tyranny does not come from just one person. It is much more widespread and hidden behind deceptive language, laws, policies, and curriculums. It comes from the entire part of the culture that rests its complete faith, not in our Creator, but in our government. This past Wednesday, as I was having dinner with my wife and daughter, my son-in-law couldn't come over. He was feeling under the weather that day, but I grilled him a steak for Kaylee to take home to him. But Denise, Kaylee, and I were sitting around the island in the kitchen, and I was formulating my thoughts to put into today's show. When did things go so horribly wrong, and what do you think is the turning point in this culture war? Is liberty lost? Is it a dying concept? As I stated earlier, in my mind, the erosions of our liberty really began to pick up steam and coalesce around the year 1913. But it has gotten steadily worse, and I think it has gotten to the point now where more than half of our country no longer thinks or believes in the liberty our founding fathers gifted our nation with. I also think that while it was a dying concept, it may not be anymore. Sure, it was on the ropes there for a while. More correctly, I think that more than half the country is now waking up to the fact that these culture war skirmishes, even those that are happening in far-off parts of the country, these skirmishes impact us all in some way. Our liberty was taking a steady beating once our government granted itself first cuts of the fruits of our labor. But the tipping point did not come until more than a century after the 16th Amendment was fraudulently ratified. Come to think of it, there are a lot of things the government is directly involved in that perpetuates a fraud on we the people. Taxes and elections, and more specifically, Thursday's interference in the electoral process by indicting former President Trump. But taxes and elections, those are two of the four most effective ways to control the population. The other two effective ways are to silence the population and to disarm the population, which they are feverishly working on as we sit here today. But back to my main theme. When did the culture wars really start intruding on a vast majority of Americans? Even those fellow countrymen that quote-unquote just want to be left alone. It is an aspect of the culture wars that takes direct aim at our Creator and His natural law. And our government put its thumb on the scale to ensure this aspect of the culture war would take place. Bear with me for a bit, as what I'm about to say, some people may believe it is controversial speech or even hate speech. However, my beliefs are grounded in the only truth our world has and will ever know. It isn't somebody else's truth. It isn't my truth. It is the truth. And it comes from the written word of God. Plus, we have a bit of history to look back upon that proves what I'm about to say is true. So, think back to 2015, folks. A major decision was handed down by the Supreme Court of the United States that was a full-on assault of the truth. It also forever changed millennia of language. As I have stated before, if you can control the language, you can control the narrative and the outcome, which is exactly what the Obergefell versus Hodges decision did that year. 
And when I mention government's thumb on the scale, it isn't what you think it was in that skirmish. In that landmark decision, same-sex marriage was legalized around the country, striking a blow at God's natural law. More correctly, it stated that state-level bans on same-sex marriage were unconstitutional. Besides, that being another intrusion on states' rights, like the recent Dobbs versus Jackson ruling highlighted, most people think that the root of this decision was affirming that the government, both state and federal, had no business telling people who they could or could not marry. Marriage, the members of the LGBT community stated, was an inalienable right because those on the left, along with the help of the government, successfully convinced the people that marriage was not something our creator gifted us with. They believed that marriage was a matter of importance to the state. Government gleefully played along and hyped that up as well. In fact, it encouraged it by getting into the marriage license business. Marriage licenses were not a widespread practice in the United States until the mid-19th century. Leave it up to government to figure out a way to tax the people on what it considers an inalienable right. You know what I mean? Because nothing says it is an inalienable right if you have to ask permission and pay the government to obtain a piece of paper granting you the right to marry somebody. Anyway, one of the main arguments from the LGBT community had about being allowed to marry is that it would confer married benefits to their spouse. And just what benefits would they be talking about? Of course, those would be the benefits that come from tax laws and tax policy. Also, in the case of insurance policies, those are heavily regulated by the government as well. Are you sensing a pattern there? I hope so. Now, before the 2015 decision, Individual state governments could have passed laws that allowed, in fact some did, that allowed same-sex couples to enter into a contract that would allow access to the same benefits as a heterosexual marriage enjoyed. And since the government is so heavily involved in the insurance industry, they could have done the same thing with regards to insurance policies. Two consenting adults engaging in a contract for their mutual benefit would be recognized in all 50 states under contract and insurance laws. But that's the crux of it, ladies and gentlemen. Government got into the marriage business, removing it from the purview of our creator into an institution it now controls. The word marriage was poached from God's realm, and nobody batted an eye. Well, some churches put out some protestations initially, and some still do, but in the end, control the language control the narrative and the outcome. After the decision was handed down, a vast majority of our republic settled into the stoic acceptance of that decision, mainly because we were reassured that this was a fight about keeping government out of people's bedrooms and out of their sex lives, and that the only thing that community wanted was to be able to love who they wanted to love. Never mind the fact that a Supreme Court decision never had any effect on who people could or could not love. If the Supreme Court, as stated in its majority opinion on the case, really believed, quote, the right to marry is fundamental because it supports a two-person union unlike any other in its importance to the committed individuals, of principle applying equally to same-sex couples, unquote, then it should have stated that rights do not come from government. Instead, they interpreted the right to marry 
as something that government can regulate. Solidifying the poaching of that term from an institution created by God to an institution created and now regulated by man and government. But the quote-unquote right to love who we want to love was and is a straw man argument to set up the false dichotomy. It is also used as a weapon against people of faith. That brings to mind a message I heard many years ago that correctly points out the new progressive Christianity that seems so pervasive in our society today. People that only believe in a twisted interpretation of the first four books of the New Testament, the gospel of Jesus Christ. These progressive Christians twist Christ's message of love thy neighbor to mean acceptance of thy neighbor. Love and acceptance are two separate words with two separate meanings. These so-called progressive Christians will often point out that Christ associated mainly with sinners, and in that association meant that he was accepting of them, just as we should now be accepting of sinners now. Well, Jesus Christ referred to those sinners as sick, and they were in desperate need of a spiritual doctor. He did not accept and affirm their lifestyles. He associated with them to heal them from their spiritual diseases. First, these progressive Christians pollute and distort the Word of God to create division. Next, they work to eradicate the Word of God from our lives and put government in the Creator's place. We are told in Scripture that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. That cannot be tolerated by the communists and their enablers. But anyway... With the Oberfell versus Hodges decision removing the covenant of marriage from the Creator's purview and putting it into man's, or fully putting it into government's purview, we all thought, and were often reassured, that this is all the other side wanted. Once government was removed from people's bedrooms and people would be quote-unquote allowed to love whoever they wanted, there would be peace. And most of America believed that. Remember, that decision was handed down in 2015, only eight years ago this month. How fast did we go from that, and that being love who we want to love and keep government out of our sex lives, how fast did that transition to just bake the cake, bigot, and then that, it rapidly moved into just shave my scrotum, bigot, and now we have moved to Just let me dance provocatively in women's clothes and thrust my testicles into your child's face, bigot. Oh, and we cannot forget that we, we being people of faith and capable of critical thinking, we are all now labeled as book burners, bigots, and racists if we do not want government to put sexualizing, corrosive, and divisive books into our children's classrooms. The latter statement has only come about because parents became aware of what these government schools have been doing for years now due to the COVID scam. Yep, ladies and gentlemen, in eight short years, we went from quote-unquote love is love to sexualizing children, to dividing children by race and gender. The division of gender based upon male and female wasn't enough either. The communists had to go further in their control of the language convincing large swaths of people that gender was merely a social construct and there are many different ways to view gender and there are many different genders. All of this has occurred under the watchful and guiding eye of our government, almost as if they had planned it this way. Maybe they did and maybe they didn't. 
You all know which way I lean on that. I believe the evidence of the past few years demonstrates that as being true. But the government COVID scam may have been a bit premature. Frankly, I believe it was pulled out of their toolbox early only to wrest control of the federal government out of the hands of a popular, non-politician president who they are still going after three years after he left office. But, like I said, it may have been too early because of what it did to expose what was happening in government schools. It also exposed those parents that not only played along with the communists to avoid being canceled, but it also exposed those parents that are the true believers, those people that were willing to do this to their own kids. We discussed that issue back in April and again last week, where the communist children are the first people in the line of fire in this culture war. Whatever these evil people want to do to our children in their quest to completely remove the creator from our society and replace it with the government, they are doing it to their children first. Yes, it goes beyond masking their own children up, beyond subjecting their own children to an experimental vaccine, beyond even exposing their young minds to the divisive, corrosive, and sexualizing curriculums in the government school system. These woke parents now suffer from that condition we described last week. Do you remember what I called it? Transhausen syndrome by proxy. So yes, Beyond all the stuff in public, curriculums, books, drag queen performances, experimental vaccines, harmful masking of children, they are also going the extra mile to chemically and surgically mutilate their own children. Do you think it will stop with just that? Heck no. What they subjected their own children to makes it much easier on their conscience to subject our children to. Again, what I just described has had the watchful and guiding eyes of our government on it. Social media has played a dual role in this as well. The many different groups that have been created by this rampant mental illness in the culture wars has encouraged a generation of children to seek answers to what they are feeling outside of their faith and their families. Social media, though, is a double-edged sword because it also allows rational people, those that are capable of critical thinking, to see what is happening. Like the libs of TikTok account that just shares what these mentally ill people are saying to themselves and about themselves in these groups. And expose not only the grooming that is happening, but the encouragement to seek false answers elsewhere. That's why social media has become a double-edged sword. It has exposed what is happening all over the country in this culture war, and everybody can see it. Even those people that just wanted to be left alone. Parents now see what the future will look like for their children if we lose this culture war. And it doesn't matter where you live, in the city or in the country. These evil people are coming for all children. Because as Dan Bongino correctly calls it, you cannot have communism unless you have the children. This exposure is leading more and more people to finally get off the sidelines and enter into the arena to fight for not their own liberty, but the liberty of their children. And not just their children, for all children. From actual fights at school board meetings in far-left California between concerned parents and the communist shock troops of Antifa, 
to the public fighting back against what is happening with major companies like Anheuser-Busch and Target by not purchasing their products. People are waking up to the evil of attacking children. And it isn't just happening here, which is a good sign. It is happening in other countries in the Western civilization. Which brings up another important point. This critical gender theory garbage has really only taken root in Western civilization. Do you wonder why that is? Maybe a topic for another episode, but back to this week's topic. Yes, other countries are now seeing this for what it is. An attack on the young and malleable minds of children. I read an article earlier this week that stated Norway has now joined a growing, not a dwindling, but growing number of European countries in a move to restrict what is euphemistically called gender-affirming care for minors. The Norwegian Healthcare Investigation Board ruled that guidance encouraging puberty blockers and sex change procedures for gender-confused use lacked medical evidence and should be restricted to research settings only. Norway has now joined with scientists in Sweden, Finland, France, and the United Kingdom in doing in raising these concerns. Keep this in mind, folks. The countries I just listed were the ones in which the affirmative approach to transgender issues, known as the Dutch model, began, and it has exploded in their faces as an irreversible, devastating mistake. And which, and that is now starting to happen, starting to take place here in pockets in our republic. I believe this attack on our nation's children has rekindled the concept of liberty here at home. People are waking up to what is going on, not because it affects them personally, but because it is having an effect on their children, on all children. What is starting out as a movement to homeschool children across the country is morphing into a defiant stand against the liberty-eroding principles that are held dear by the communists. Just look at the move by the Southern Poverty Law Center last week to label Moms for Liberty organizations all over the country as a hate group. Moms for Liberty organizations all across the country work tirelessly to remove the filth that is in public schools, and they are attempting to save government education from itself They are now being labeled as a hate group because of that. I believe that is a sign that those on the left are starting to lose that skirmish in the culture war. Labeling a bunch of moms as a hate group to try and turn public opinion. That is an example of the dying gasps of an effort meant to protect the communist efforts to confuse the minds of children in government indoctrination centers. So take heart, ladies and gentlemen. More important, take heart and then jump into the arena. Together, we can fully turn the tide now that a majority of us realize that the biggest skirmish that is happening in the culture war is claiming children as its first victims. That's it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, I truly hope you enjoyed the show. Once again, please share the show with everyone in your contact list as well as on your social media pages. Ask the people in your sphere of influence to subscribe and follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so we can get the show moving up on the charts. In closing, we have this week's wisdom from God's Word, and today it comes to us from Proverbs 19.23. 
Fear of the Lord gives life, security, and protection from harm. Fear of the Lord does not mean to be afraid, but to hold in reverent awe. His words and his plans for us give us all life, security, and protection from harm. When we deviate from holding the Lord and his word in reverent awe, the opposite happens. We get death, insecurity, and we open ourselves to harm. We open our children to harm. Can you see now that because of the government's efforts to erase our creator from the national psyche, that this is what is happening? It is also by design, the government's design to sow division among the people, allowing it to step further into our lives to obtain and maintain power and control. The time for thinking these culture war skirmishes do not have an effect on us all. It's over. Thank you all for listening this week, and I pray that you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.